Good morning, my friend. I hope you are doing great. It is Friday, 21 July, 2023, and we are three days post-launch of Hope is the First Dose. The book is out in the world. If you don't have your copy yet, go grab Hope is the First Dose. It's a solid plan, a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. I've been doing interview after interview after interview about this book. I've got two more today. And the one recurring theme is how do people engage in the treatment plan? What keeps some people stuck in hopelessness after massive things happen in their lives or after just a whole bunch of sameness happens in their lives? What keeps people stuck and what gets people moving? And the difference is hope, how to engage with hope. And so I've given you a plan for this. I've given you a prescription for how you can engage hope and move forward into your life into the prehab and self-brain surgery and rehab and finally healing and movement towards hope, happiness, meaning, purpose, joy again in your life after the massive thing occurs. Or if you haven't had the massive thing yet, how to be a good caregiver to come alongside those who are, who are also hurting. We got an incredible email from Jonna Johnston from Texas. Shout out to Jonna yesterday about her going to the hospital and visiting a friend who was sick. And this is also a friend who has had a massive thing, losing a child in her past and shared my book with her and, and just wrote us this incredible letter about being a caregiver, about coming alongside somebody else who's hurting and having some sort of plan to deliver to them. It's a great, kind letter that Jonna wrote. And it's the, it's just a good example of how we can be caregivers. And the treatment plan doesn't have to just be for us. It can also be like that EpiPen that our friend Kristen carries in her purse in case her child has an allergic reaction. She can be the caregiver to deliver the treatment plan. Just remember that no matter what you do, there's going to be some hard things in this life. Jesus promised us that in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble, but there's also all kinds of beauty and happiness and hope all the time. There's abundance. Jesus said that too. He said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. You can have both. And that's what the treatment plan is all about, helping you engage this quantum faith. It doesn't have to be but. It can be and. It doesn't have to be or. It can be also. And so today, I'm going to just talk for a minute about what happens when you realize that you're stuck and what do you do next and how do you get up? We're going to use Tommy Walker's song, Get Up, from the Book of John and song, the incredible album that Tommy did a few years ago. This song, Get Up, is high energy, high pace, but it's about the guy that was sitting by the pool, and Jesus said, what's going on with you? And he said, I don't have anybody to help me get into the pool. There was this sort of legend that if you could get into the pool while the waters were disturbed, that you would be healed. And this guy had somehow gotten himself there. He'd been crippled for 38 years, and he'd finally gotten himself somehow to the edge of the pool, but he couldn't get any farther. And we're going to learn one lesson from a book from 2013 that I'd forgotten about until yesterday. We're going to learn one lesson from Tommy Walker. We're going to learn one lesson from the book of Joshua. I'm going to give you two different metaphors of how to think about this idea of what to do next once you get stuck. And we're going to find some hope today, my friend. But you can't change your life until you change your mind, and it's time to get after it. The good news is you can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. 
you can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Okay, so there's a book from way back in the day, way back in 2013. That's the year that we lost our son. So this is a coincidence, but this book from 2013 is called what got you here won't get you there. Think about just the title for a second. What got you here won't get you there. Marshall Goldsmith wrote this book. And I heard I heard about it a long time ago. I've never read it. But a couple of days ago, I heard a preacher on Instagram say something similar. And I realized I'd, I'd heard about this before. And I went and found the source of the quote. The preacher said, what got you here won't get you there. And it's true. But it came from this book, this business book that was wildly successful in 2013. And the idea is you've, you've done a lot of stuff in your life. You've been through a lot of experiences. You, you've, you've accomplished some things. You've, you've had some relationships. You've had some business dealings. You've had some education. You've had perhaps some massive things. And all those things have culminated in you being exactly where you are right now. And the thing is, all of us, most of, most of us anyway, feel some sort of calling that we're supposed to be doing something a little different than what we're doing or being in a place a little different than where we are. We, we feel this upward calling, and we, and we don't know what to do with it. And sometimes we cover that calling in the, in the sort of cognitive dissonance of knowing that we're not where we're supposed to be. Sometimes we cover that with these numbing behaviors. We, we drink alcohol, we eat Cheetos. I'm always talking about Cheetos. and I, I probably make it sound like I'm sort of a Cheeto addict, but, but if I were going to open a bag of chips or something, I would tend to move towards either nacho cheese Doritos or Cheetos. That's just sort of my thing. But I, but I don't really eat them anymore because they're not good for me. Okay, but I'm using that as an example to say that we do use food sometimes and alcohol and sex and relationships and and gambling and shopping and all kinds of things. We use them sometimes even things that seem good like exercise and, and sports and all that. Sometimes we use those things as a way to dull our minds or change our minds away from thinking about the thing that's really hurting us. And so if you're if you're dealing with cognitive dissonance of, of of being in one place and knowing that you're supposed to be in another place. And even if that place is that you know it's time to try to get up and move through the grief and the pain and stop the, the behaviors that you've been using to cover it and you're and God is calling you into some higher place. Or even if you're not a believer, if you've been suffering with something for a long time, and you just can't find that peace and that joy and that happiness anymore. And you know there's something better in your life. Your heart is telling you. And you've seen other people do it. You've seen people recover from massive things before. And you can't figure out why you're not making that progress. 
where you just haven't found your way again, and the light seems dimmer in the world than it did before, then, my friend, you need to embrace this idea of quantum faith or quantum recovery. We're, we're, I'm, I'm constantly talking about quantum physics because in the quantum world, and that's quantum physics is the study of what happens at the very small subatomic levels of the universe. So it's not just the science that produces weapons like the atomic bomb. It's also the science that produces things like computers and microwave ovens and televisions and radiation oncology and all the things that we can use now in this modern world came out of an understanding of the fact that Newtonian physics, which is the predictable physics of the world around us, if you throw a ball, it's going to land, it's going to fall at a certain rate. If an apple falls out of the tree, it doesn't fall up, it always falls down because of gravity. Those kinds of things are easy to observe and the math is easy to predict how that stuff is going to happen. And so Newton came up with Newtonian physics. The problem is when you start looking at how particles, electrons and protons and and stuff inside cells and stuff inside elements behave, it doesn't match. The the math of Newtonian physics doesn't explain those things. And so in the early 20th century, some really smart people, people who would think that brain surgeons aren't very smart, those folks, the the physicists, Niels Bohr and Einstein and, and Heisenberg and all those guys, Schrodinger, many of them, came up with the math that now is known as quantum physics. And in the, in the quantum world, electrons behave, particles behave as if they're in more than one place at the same time. The, the, the space-time continuum, as the science fiction movies talk about, turns out to be not like we think it is. It's true that things can be in different states at the same time. An electron can be in two places and be in two forms at the very same time, and sometimes particles are entangled with one another, where if you have a, an atom that's been split and you separate those two parts of the atom by thousands of miles and you take measurements on them at very precise moments, they are behaving as if they're still connected. These quantum elements, these quantum particles never stop being entangled, and that really has some mind-boggling implications into how Jesus can walk through doors and appear to disciples in, in his resurrected state. And it, it, and it has some mind-boggling implications that Jeffrey Schwartz has written about, about how your mind can communicate with your brain and help you make decisions in, in, nano, in fractions of nanoseconds. It's a quantum thing. And so if you're stuck and you can't figure out how to explain the fact that you know, and I'll give you an example. My son died in 2013, okay? I'm never going to stop being sad about that. But at the very same time, I can tell you without any fakeness, if that's a word, without any incongruity, I can tell you, my friend, that I am a happy person. I have a a life that I'm satisfied with. I have an incredible wife that I don't deserve. I have a family that's beautiful and four amazing grandchildren and and four living children. And I've got a, a career that I love. And I get to sit in front of this microphone and talk to you and write books that people buy and send me pictures of. I have a great life, but it is a life that has been forged out of the furnace of suffering. I've been through hard things, and so have you. I've been through a divorce. I've been to war. I've had PTSD. I've lost a son, and I will never stop being harmed and hurt and shaped by those things, okay? But the fact that there is quantum physics that says that you can have a world that's hard in John sixteen thirty three, and an abundant life paid for and and authored by Jesus in John 10.10, those two things are true at the same time. It's not but, it's and, okay? 
So all of that to say this, my friend, wherever you are in the world right now, and I would love to hear from you if you are, you've never written in or you've never emailed me, Lee at drleewarren.com or comment on this post. I would love to hear from you where you are, what you're doing, how this is hitting you, what you're thinking about, especially if you're reading Hope is the First Dose. I hope I get to hear from you. Send me a picture. Send me a, a note. I want to hear. But if you're stuck, if you've had this massive thing happen or a series of many massive things or you just don't know what to do next and you know your heart is saying, God is calling you, your spirit is telling you, and if you're not a believer, if you just know inside you that you're supposed to be able to move forward, then let me get you ready, okay? When the Israelites were wandering around in the desert for 40 years, when it was finally time for them to go into the promised land, Joshua and Joshua 3.5 got them together the night before. It was time to finally go in. It was time to finally cross the Jordan and finally go. They'd been, they had been freed from Egypt 40 years before, but they were not yet delivered to their promised land. And friend, you can be freed. You can be set free without being delivered. There's a difference. You you aren't where you're supposed to go yet. You might not be in bondage anymore, but you're not home yet, okay? And these folks were finally, after 40 years, they were on the edge of the Jordan the night before they were finally going to get God's promise come true in their life. This long narrative arc of a story that they've been involved in for 40 years, after hundreds of years of their people being enslaved, Joshua calls them together and says this in Joshua 3, 5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Friend, I'm telling you, after the massive thing happens, you're going to hurt and you're going to suffer and you're going to be burning up in the furnace. And God says, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. I will make something better out of you through this experience if you will let me. And if you're at that place where you are so tired of everything feeling like it has felt, I got to tell you, what got you here will not get you there. You can't just suffer and then one day get up and be the same person and walk into the promised land. You have to do what Joshua said. You have to consecrate yourself. You've got to be ready to change. You've got to embrace the treatment plan, and you got to get after it. And it's time, friend. It's time to get up. Like that guy at the pool in the Gospel of John, and Jesus said, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I can't. Nobody will help me get into the pool. It what got him there wouldn't get him into the pool. What got you here, friend, won't get you there." And I want you to give you two thought experiments. One is this, and this came from the book "What Got You Here Won't Get You There." Think about yourself as a ninety-five-year-old person, or if you're already ninety-five and you're listening, think about yourself as a hundred-year-old person. And that sounds funny, but let me tell you, if you're 95 and you're listening to a podcast, then God's still got a plan for you, okay? You're still savvy enough to be listening to podcasts at 95, but if you're 25 and you're listening to a podcast, God still has a plan for you too. And if you're 15, God still has a plan for you. And by the way, I owe a shout out to the amazing people at the flower market in North Platte. They sent us some incredible flowers on release day from numerous people, and they, they internally coordinated to match the colors of the book with the the flowers that were sent. Just incredible folks, Madison and Sarah and Emma and Kylie and just all y'all. Thank you so much for the amazing work that you do. If you're in North Platte and you need flowers, the flower market, they do such a wonderful job. So great job, ladies. Thank you. Okay, back to the story. 
if you are 95 or 85 or 75 or 65 or 55 or 45 or 35 or 25 or 15, if you're five, you're probably not getting too much out of this podcast. But if you're 15, you're probably ready for some of these messages. But wherever you are in your life, friend, on the long arc of your story, where you are now, when the things that have happened and the things that you've done and the decisions that you've made will not take you to that place that you know you're supposed to be because you've got to change something. As somebody sent me a long time ago a message, I think it was Julie Walker, one of the longtime listeners who writes into the podcast from time to time. Shout out, Julie, if you're still listening. And this, the quote that she sent on Instagram was that the things that you're not willing to change you are choosing to accept. You are choosing to keep. If you're not brave enough or willing to change, you are choosing to stay the same. So own that, friend, today. Just own it. If you got here because of a long series of decisions that have not healed you from your massive thing, if you are here because of a long series of things that have not produced the kind of change that you know you need, then you've got to make some changes if you want something to change. If you want to move from this place to the next place, if you want to finally get into that pool and let those healing waters help you, if you want to finally cross the Jordan and stop wandering around in the desert of your pain or your despair or your loss, then it's time to get up, okay? So I want you to think about the 95-year-old version of yourself or some older version of yourself. And if you could say, here's where I was in my life when I was your age, and here's the things that I changed so that I could be happier, so that I could be more whole, so that I could embrace more fully God's plan for my life, so I could consecrate myself and finally cross that Jordan. Here are the things that I had to do to make that happen. And just think about what your older self would say that would be required, because you already know it, that, that the thing that's probably true, and it happened to me as we were trying to heal from losing Mitch, and I was sort of circling around the furnace of, of suffering and deciding if I was going to go down into the abyss or come up out of the hole. If I was going to grab on to the kavah, rope of hope, and, and let God pull me out, or if I was going to let go and just fall back into suffering, I had to decide if I was going to make that change or not, there were some things I already knew that I was going to have to let go of. I couldn't make grief an idol. I couldn't embrace that comfort of suffering and, and, the, and the mechanisms that come along with it anymore. I had, to, I had to be willing to let God rip that scab off and start to heal that wound. And I already knew it. So whatever it is that's holding you back, you already probably know. You might need a mentor, you might need a therapist, you might need a physician, you might need a pastor, you might need to confess something to somebody and talk about it and get it out of your head and onto paper and out into the street as a plan, but you already probably know. And whatever that older version of yourself, that some that person you could trust who would give you good advice, if you look back on your life now, wherever you are, if you could go back 20 or 30 years or 15 or 5 or 10 years and give yourself some advice back then, you, you would be willing to trust that because you would know that you live those days and where you are now is the result of the decisions that you made before. Remember I told you T.D. Jake said, we are born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our decisions. So, friend, think about that older version of yourself and what you would say to yourself is some trusted advice, and that's some of the things you need to start working on now. The second thought experiment I want to give you is because I want you to join me in the Society of Self-Brain Surgeons and become a good, trusted 
brain surgeon for yourself that's not going to commit self-malpractice. You're going to relentlessly refuse to participate in your own demise. You're going to remember that thoughts become things, that not every thought you have is true, that feelings aren't facts, they're chemical events, and you are in control of what you think about and how your brain wires those brand new baby neurons every day if you choose to be and don't commit self-malpractice. So think about the most trusted physician you've ever had who gives you advice that is in your best interest and you get to know them and you know they're always going to point you in the right direction. They're never, I'll think about Jeff Britton, our good family physician friend. Jeff would never say something to me or Lisa or Tata that was in, in our, not in our best interest. He would never mislead us. He would never misguide us. He would never have his own agenda in our care. He would always say, hey, here's what's best for you. And so you develop, and my patients do that too. They know that if I tell them something, it's, it's for their benefit. It's not because it's what I want. It's what's good for them. Sometimes I tell patients, hey, don't make this decision today about surgery. Go get a second. Go get a third. Go get a fourth opinion until you find somebody you're comfortable with. Don't have this operation because I don't care if I perform it. I just know that you need it. So go find somebody who can explain it to you in different words until you feel comfortable with it and then make your decision. And when a physician offers you a second opinion, you can trust them. If they act like you shouldn't get a second opinion, you ought to go to a different doctor because that means they're more concerned about getting you to let them take care of you than they are about what's actually best for you. If somebody discourages you from getting a second opinion, let that be a red flag for you, okay? So think about this trusted physician. If you had that model of somebody who was always going to give you advice and then just in your mind, turn yourself into a self-brain surgeon and start giving yourself the right advice that's in your best interest instead of saying, hey, you know, you've had a hard day and this has been a hard month and a hard year and a hard decade and a hard life and you deserve to kick back and have something to drink and, and maybe watch three hours of Netflix and just turn your brain off and deal with it tomorrow. But friend, I want you to love tomorrow more because the problem with numbing behaviors is that they only, they, they, they're not selective and they don't just numb the part that hurts. They numb your whole body. They numb your whole spirit. They numb your whole family and all your relationships. And the next day, you feel bad about that and you still have the problem to deal with. You need to love tomorrow more and stop paying that tomorrow tax. So turn yourself in your mind into a trusted physician who would never give you advice that wasn't in your best interest and start giving yourself advice that will actually move the needle. And remember that what got you here won't get you there. It's time to get up, friend. It's time to get up and start moving. It's time to embrace that quantum faith and say, yes, I am never going to stop hurting over this thing, but I also can come alive again and I can live again because there is a treatment plan. There is a way to get better. There's a way to embrace the yes and instead of this but. There's a way to find your way forward. It's time to consecrate ourselves and get ready for it. Tomorrow the Lord is going to do amazing things. And it's time to get up, my friend, and get into that pool and let those waters wash all that pain away and start living in the yes and the and and the fact that what got you here won't get you there. But there is a way to get there. Remember the definition of hope that I gave you a while back? That hope is the belief that you can get there from here. And friend, what got you here won't get you there. But there is a path. There is a plan to get from here to there. And in order to do it, you've got to get up. 
because you can't change your life until you change your mind. And my good friend, hear me. Hope is the first dose of that treatment plan. And the good news is you can start today.
Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.